do not know. What I did as a human being in my 22 and a half, maybe a little less, years of being on this earth to deserve what happened to me, yes, to me, as a result of the embarrassment that is the New York Giants organization in week two on Thursday Night Football. My friends tell me I'm nice. My family tells me I'm nice sometimes. I try to be a good person. And I just get put through. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. I really don't think I would. I honestly, the pain, the agony, the frustration, the depression, my God, the depression. I watched this football game completely sober and I woke up feeling hungover. That's how sad I was. Okay. What the hell? What did I do? Because I just, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I really am. I, I, I can't take it. I really can't take it anymore. Welcome back to another episode of Starting or Settling, guys. I'm your host, Julia. I appreciate you coming back to listen to me complain for another 30, 40 minutes. I haven't done an episode by myself in a long time. And this is therapy for me. I said last episode was going to be therapy for Danny and I. Really turned out to be therapy for me. This is going to be another therapy session for me. I might have to change the name of this podcast to just like Giants Fans Anonymous because I think we all need it. I'm still upset and this is the following Thursday. Like tonight the Panthers and some other football team, the Texans I think, are, are playing tonight, which I am excited to watch. And I have DJ Moore on my fantasy team. But I'm still upset. Because the Giants should be one and one. And right now we're again week three in. We're about to be week three in. We're last in the division. I don't know who I have to pay to buy a win. And maybe it is the NFL officials, which I'm I am going to talk about them. Believe you me, I'm going to talk about them. But who in this organization do I have to pay to get some like common sense just like beaten into the coaches and the players? Because Jesus Christ, we can't make a play. We can't call a scheme. We can't finish football games. Let's get into it. So, God, my brain is all over the place. The Giants lost 29-30. to Daniel Jones had the best game of his career by far, Pro Football Focus named him the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. That is correct. I don't even think Eli ever got that award uh, or that – is it a nom- – no, it's an award. Whatever. I don't even think that ever happened to Eli during his career. Um, Jones had an, a great game, and he got unlucky by some miscues from both the officials and his own teammates uh, in this game. There were quite a few drops again by the receiving core, most notably Darius Slayton dropping like a 50-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter that would have put the Giants up 10. I have that play burned in my memory and will probably have it forever, so that's painful too. Um, But Jones went 22-32, 249 passing yards, one touchdown, nine rushes, 95 rushing yards, leading the Giants in rushing for the second straight week, and one rushing touchdown. Should have Probably had closer to 300 yards, two passing touchdowns, and 150 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. And if the refs didn't screw us on an early holding call on his rushing touchdown, and if Darius Slayton catches that football, those are Lamar Jackson MVP season numbers. And that is a win in the in the right column for the Giants. I guess technically the left column, but the correct column for the Giants. 
and we're one and one tied with two other teams in the division. But no, we can't have nice things. And sorry if you hear in the background some it's raining out and I choose the worst times to record, but you're going to have to deal with it. Um, so Sterling Shepard had another nice game, nine receptions for 94 yards. Darius Slayton minus the drop had three receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown. The defense had one sack and one interception late in the game by James Bradbury, which should have sealed a win for the Giants. But of course it did not because we can't have nice things. Taylor Heineke is apparently going to be a Hall of Famer. He went 34 for 46, 336 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Terry McLaurin burned James Bradbury in this Giants secondary all night long. 11 receptions, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Bad for the Giants. Good for one of my fantasy teams. So you win some, you lose some. And the Washington defense had four sacks and no turnovers. Andrew Thomas, second-year left tackle for the Giants had a really good game against Chase Young. Chase Young had three total tackles. That was it. He was quiet. He did nothing, had no impact on the game whatsoever. So honestly, that is a highlight from this game. If you have to take really any, there's there's only quite a few, and that is one of them for sure. I would say my highlights from the game, Daniel Jones and the way he played, Graham Gano making five kicks, which was good for not only the Giants, but also one of my fantasy teams. So fantasy football is bringing me some joy this year. And uh, Andrew Thomas's performance, he looked really, really good because he was quiet. You did not hear his name at all, not for a penalty, not for giving up a sack or a pressure, whatever it was. So, so far through two games against two really good defensive lines, Andrew Thomas has played well, and hopefully that will continue. Um, Like I said, DJ carried this team. There is no other way to put it. If it wasn't for him, the Giants would have probably gotten blown out again. And I wish that those plays, that those two touchdowns that did not happen did happen because one, obviously, again, we would have won the football game. But two, Jones deserves that. One thing I will say about Daniel Jones, he makes all the mistakes and there's times where he looks really bad and there's a lot of inconsistencies and question marks still up in the air about him. But this is by far and away the biggest year of his career so far, because this is a true test to see if he can and will potentially be the future quarterback and leader for the New York Giants. And God, I want him to be because it would make our life easier as fans of this team to not have to worry about who's going to be the next good quarterback coming up in the draft and losing to get the best pick. But also he's a likable guy. You know, he's quiet. He takes accountability for his play, the team's play. You know, he puts it all on him. You can tell he's he's a competitor. He wants to win. Um, you know, he's a hard worker. So he's got all those qualities that you like. It's in terms of the actual play that is yet to be seen. So far, I'm not going to take into account wins versus losses this season. I think if Daniel Jones continues to play the way he did on Thursday, the Giants will be all right if the other team can start, or the other team, the rest of the team can start to get it together. Because at the end of the day, yes, your quarterback can win and lose you games, but your the rest of your team, your teammates, the offense, the defense, the special teams, everyone's got to you know do their part and help out. So in assessing him this year, I am not looking at wins and losses. More so I'm looking at just how he plays. And so I have a minus for the Broncos game for him, and I have a plus for the, the Washington game for him. Um, we should be one and one. That's just the reality. But we're not. And it sucks, but it was a major positive to see him play the way he did Thursday night football against Washington in Washington against that defense after the the week one loss we had. 
really, really positive sign to see him play the way he did. Uh, Jason Garrett, offensive coordinator for the Giants, caught a lot of heat last week by me and many other Giants fans because his play calling since he has been the offensive coordinator for the Giants has sucked. It has, extending back from last year. Um, It's been conservative, unimaginative. The Giants don't put up more than 20 points a game, it feels like. They're struggling to walk up to the line of scrimmage and get a playoff. They don't look like they're having fun. They look sluggish. It's just, it's bad. It looks bad. But this week, the offense looked a lot better. And given the defense they were playing against, that was a good sign. I mean, we could have put up almost 40 points if some things went our way and if we executed on some things that we should have. We didn't, but regardless, we almost put up 30 points against a defense that was top five in the NFL last year. So, um, you know, I, I think he definitely allowed Daniel Jones to have a bit more control in terms of just letting him play his game, letting him audible, you know, letting him throw the football down the field and not trying these stupid trick plays where you throw the ball six yards behind the line of scrimmage and hope it works with an offensive line that, you know, it was basically a bunch of scrubs off the street and Andrew Thomas. So um, I was happy overall with the way he called the game. I do have some concerns with the way he called the end of the game. I do feel like the last two offensive drives for the Giants were still very conservative. And, um, you know, I, I just there needs to be more creativity there. And I don't know if it's because he doesn't believe Jones can do it. I don't know if it's because he doesn't know what he's doing or if Judge is telling him something or if Gettleman has his nose in there somewhere. But regardless... I do want to continue to see the aggressive play calling, give Daniel Jones the ball, let him do his thing and and see how it works. Because once again, we saw it this past week and it looked pretty good. So I want to see much, much more of that. But of course, we have to talk about the miscues of this game. The holding penalty in the first half, it was against wide receiver CJ Board, Daniel Jones, Read our read option, RPO, whatever they're called. I don't care what it's called because it just works. And I just Daniel Jones looks like he's running negative five miles an hour and he literally no one can catch him. You don't realize how fast he is until you realize that the play is still happening and that he's still running and everyone's chasing him and they just can't catch him. And you're just like, oh wow, like he is that fast. And and we do forget that he actually clocked the fastest. Um time last year uh well i think it was like 22 miles an hour or something he's just so like tall and like awkward looking that it just doesn't look normal so um basically the giants to get back on track uh ran another i think it's a read option whatever they ran another one with him it worked and jones ran like 54 yards right into washington's end zone for a touchdown the refs at the 12 yard line threw a bullshit holding penalty against CJ board, it wasn't holding even Buck and Aikman, the announcers for the game were like, there really wasn't much there. I don't know what their, what that call really was. Uh, but nonetheless it happened. And I think the giants got the ball on around the 20 yard line and ended up kicking a field goal. So that's a four, a four point differential right there. It essentially would have led to the giants and Washington being tied at half 14 all, but instead Washington went in with the lead 10, 14 to 10. So not ideal. It was a great play and it worked perfectly and the ref screwed us, which obviously, as we all know, unless you didn't watch the game and or live under a rock, that that would not be the last time in the game that the refs decided to uh, decide the outcome of the game. So 
Another major miscue. Offensively, the Giants had way too many false starts um, and were holding penalties that completely killed drives. There was one sequence where the Giants, I believe it was in the second half, called a timeout, and uh, they come out of the timeout and get a delay game penalty somehow out of a timeout. How that happens, I will never know. And I blame Jason Garrett because the Giants didn't break the huddle until there was... I think 12 seconds left on the play clock, which just should never happen because the clock starts at 25. So you should have had your play ready to be called. So the Giants walk up to the line of scrimmage with 20, maybe 19 seconds left. And instead they get to the line. There's eight seconds left. And Jones is like, oh my God, I have to adjust and delay a game. So not good. Then right after that, we got a false start. And it was another situation where the Giants who were driving at the time had to then go and kick a field goal as opposed to trying to score a touchdown, which credit to Daniel Jones and the Giants offense for getting pushed back out of field goal range and, and still getting into field goal range so that they could get some points out of the drive, but just another miscue that you don't want to have happen. And of course, with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, Darius Slayton drops a wide open touchdown from Daniel Jones. It was about a 50 yard touchdown. I will say throw was a little far, but Daniel Jones was getting hit. So if, if Darius Slayton literally just slightly left his feet and jumped a little, dove a little, he would have caught it easily. And he admitted it after the game. He should have dove. I don't know why he wouldn't, um, but he didn't. And he dropped the ball. And that would have put the Giants up 10 with eight minutes left. And instead, the Giants went up six with eight minutes left and lost. So there's that. Um, but like I said before, too, another positive just to go off of before I get to the trash. I mean, the defense. Um, the pass blocking looks solid. The run blocking is still bad, needs a lot of work. Saquon Barkley ran the ball 13 times, got hit in the backfield on nine of those 13 attempts, uh, as my brother told me. I didn't fact check it. I just believed him. Uh, and it sounds about right based on how our running looked. So that's not ideal. But Daniel Jones, these past two weeks, has definitely had way more time to throw the ball than he ever has in his whole career. So honestly, I got to give him credit for that because... They've played some good defensive lines, legit defensive lines, these first two weeks. So hopefully things will only get better from here on out. Uh, defense sucks so bad. Really bad. They cannot get pressure on the quarterback to save their lives. I literally age watching each defensive rep because the quarterback has 20 million years to throw the football. Taylor Heineke is a career backup for a reason he's not Aaron Rodgers you don't need to you know run all these crazy schemes or whatever it is and throw everybody back try to what no just you get pressure on the guy he's gonna make a mistake you know that's what happens with these backups especially someone like him 28 years old he's been in this league for a minute and hasn't really done much until now and the Giants made him look like Joe Montana he sat back there pretty comfortable for a large portion of the game and he just can't have that because at the end of the day despite being a backup he's still in the NFL so if you allow him to play his game and to have that time and to be comfortable he will make you pay and he did and what's even more concerning about that is Patrick Graham just chose to not do anything about it on the few times he sent blitzes, they worked. The Giants either created a holding penalty or rushed him into a throw or he threw the ball away. So, Patrick Graham, why are you not scheming for the Giants to blitz more? If you know your front four can't get there, then do something about 
it. I'm sick and tired of watching these offenses just go up and down the field on this defense who's supposed to be the strength of our team. And I'm losing my voice because I'm getting so frustrated. But this secondary looks even more lost than than the front four on our defensive line. It just it makes no sense. Our secondary is playing this soft coverage, giving guys 10 yards off the ball, off the line rather, and they're taking advantage. They're just sitting in the middle of these zones and catching a seven, eight yard curl or out route. And, you know, that's what happens. And then these teams take 10 minutes to, to go 13, 14 plays and score a touchdown. I mean, it's early and defenses as the season goes on, good defenses tend to gel more and really get, you know, their footing and, and, and start to make more plays and get off the field and, and come into their own. But to have two straight weeks against mediocre at best quarterbacks and have them just have ridiculously good days against you is a bit concerning. So uh, that's obviously not ideal. And listen, playing the Falcons in week three, the Falcons don't look good. Um, but they they did look better against Tampa than they did in week one against Philly. And Kyle Pitts, tight end, looks like a problem. Uh, Matt Ryan isn't great, but he's still Matt Ryan. Calvin Ridley, obviously a really good wide receiver. And there's nothing that this defense has shown me to tell me that we're going to be okay in this game because they're getting torched by Washington and Denver. And I understand, and I even admitted it myself, that Washington and Denver have very good wide receivers, but there is no reason with James Bradbury and Adoree Jackson and Darnay Holmes and Jabril Peppers and Logan Ryan and Xavier McKinney, there is no reason why the secondary cannot contain them. There is no reason why the secondary should not contain the Falcons on Sunday. But I lied. There's one reason, and that's Patrick Graham. And I really think that is the root to the Giants' problems as a whole right now is the coaching. Yeah, players need to execute, and there's been many moments where they haven't, but that's a coach's job to put your players in a position to execute. And I don't get the sense that the defense is being given that opportunity at all. I don't get the sense that the op- the offense has had enough opportunities to do so. I-, I think Jason Garrett took a bit of a hint from week one and, and did a bit better with that this week, but... For the most part, I mean, the coaches, I think, are a problem. And and that could very well change. Last year, the Giants defense started slow and really started to pick it up and really became a problem for some teams. But uh, we need to see that. We need to see it now because we're already in last place. We don't have a win. We got our hearts broken. So I guess that should transition me into what is the hardest part to talk about about this game, which is the fact we should have won. Washington gets the ball back with two minutes left in the game on the Giants on their own 25-yard line, down one point with one timeout. And as they did the whole game for the most part, they drove right down the field into field goal range, essentially. It's a 49-yard field goal attempt, and it's missed. I'm going to spare you the details because I'm sparing me the details because I lived it, and I don't want to relive it. But I'm retelling the story. You're welcome. And sorry to any Giants fans. They miss the field goal as time expires. And me and my dad and my brother are just like, oh my God, yes, we won the game, blah, blah, blah. Going, well, not going crazy because I was tired, but like stoked and just like a breath of like a sigh of relief. Cause I was like, thank God, finally won a game. This wasn't pretty, but a win is a win. Like, yes, let's go. And then all of a sudden I hear my brother say, oh my God, there's a flag. 
and my heart stopped and then sank into my stomach. I might have blacked out for a second. And I look up and I see the flag notification pop up on the screen. And then uh, I see all the Washington players pointing towards the Giants. And I see all the Giants players just kind of standing around. And I was like, oh, my God, we screwed it up. We screwed it up. God, no, please. He missed it. They called Dexter Lawrence, Giants defensive lineman, offsides. It's a 43-yard field goal attempt now. They kick it and barely make it. I thought he missed it again. He literally, like, almost missed it again, but he made it, and time expired, and the Giants lost. So we're watching replays. The first, the second I saw the first replay, I was like, um, he wasn't offsides. And my brother was like, no, he was, and my dad just, like, didn't say anything. And then I texted uh, my friend Mike. You all know him. And I was like, uh, he wasn't offsides. And I tweeted, he was not offsides. And then, sure enough, it comes out that he wasn't offsides. <laughs> so here was the problem with this call. I'm going to break it down for you. As a former intramural flag football championship official, um, I, I'm an expert, okay? So I know what I'm talking about. Shout out to all my college coworkers. <laughs> um, but essentially, you have the back judge and the line judge, okay? The back judge is standing behind the defense, so in this case, behind the Giants, and he's just observing what he can see, which is the back of all the Giants players, okay? The line judge sees right down the line of scrimmage, so he can see the the Washington line of scrimmage, he can see the Giants line of scrimmage, and he can see the football, or she. There are some female officials in the NFL. The back judge threw the flag, calling Dexter Lawrence offsides. The line judge did not. Offsides means that the defensive player crosses the line of scrimmage before the ball moves. He saw Dexter Lawrence move before everybody else, and so he called Dexter Lawrence offsides. And therein lies the problem. The back judge can't see the football. He has a slight view of it because the center is not allowed to be covered, but he can't see the football. He does not have a direct view of it. He saw Dexter Lawrence move before every other player, and so... He called Dexter Lawrence offsides. Dexter Lawrence, even in slow motion, got a perfect jump off the snap. He moved as soon as the ball moved. Perfectly. You cannot time it any better than the way he did. Even NBC Sports put a story out saying that he got too perfect of a jump on the snap. Or... Yeah, I guess that's the way to put it. Because it literally was so perfect that he moved before everybody else. But that is not what the penalty is. The penalty by rule is that you move across the line of scrimmage before the ball moves. Therefore, the Giants... Now, let me preface this by saying, I'm well aware of the fact that you don't leave the game at the hands of the officials. And the Giants had way too many opportunities in this game to really take control, to close it out, and to get the win. And they didn't. Way too many self-inflicted wounds, way too conservative play calling at the end of the game, no ability to stop Washington's offense at all. Last year's defense would have stopped Washington when they got the ball back with two minutes left and not even gotten let them get close to midfield. Not even close. But they went right down and got close enough. And... uh 
you know, so that that's that. Like the Giants had the chance to win the game and they took it from themselves. They had numerous, like way too many chances to win the game. They legit should have put up 40 points. And they didn't. But with that said, for an NFL official to make that call that is not even his call at the end of a game that completely changes the outcome of the game and directly impacts who wins and who loses, that's not good. Because now the Giants are sitting 0-2 at the bottom of the NFC East with a division loss. And Washington's 1-1 with a division win tied with everybody else. And who knows what could happen. The Giants could, you know, come out and and put a few good wins together and and make it interesting. Or they might just suck and go 0-17. Or be mediocre. Who knows? But regardless, not being able to know, being able to know that that call was wrong and that we should have won the game on a missed field goal sucks it does and i'm sad (laughs) still i'm really sad um but with that said there was pluses and minuses from this game as i've gone over and i'm very excited to go i'm going to the game week three this sunday uh with my family uh the giants are playing the falcons as i've literally already said and we're going because also the Giants are retiring Eli's jersey at half. So I'm super stoked for that. That'll be fun and a little nostalgic. Um, but hopefully it'll maybe give a little life to the to the stadium, to the fans, because we need it. We've been through it, Giants fans. We have been through it and not deservedly so. Um, but I'm excited to go to the game and I'm looking forward to seeing Eli's jersey retired and hopefully see a Giants win. Um, I've seen the Falcons play the Giants already. Uh, it was actually Odell's Odell Beckham's first ever football game, and he caught the game-winning touchdown from Eli, so that's pretty cool. Um, so hopefully we can beat him again. That would be really nice to go home with a win. So we'll see. Um, you know, I'd like to make a prediction, but I just don't think I can because there was moments in the Washington game where it looked like the Giants would pull away, and they just didn't. So hopefully if and when those opportunities do present themselves for the Giants this week, they take advantage and hopefully the coaches get their shit together and hopefully nobody gets thrown a phantom call for no reason that ruins the game. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. I know that today's episode is a shorter episode than usual. I'm releasing it tonight, Thursday night so that your Friday mornings can be blessed with my voice and complaining. Um, But I really do appreciate all of you guys listening, all the feedback. And I really, really enjoyed doing this. And I'm so glad I started doing it again. And please, please, please feel free to reach out with suggestions, comments, whatever it is. I'm so open and more than happy to listen. And and I want to, I want to hear what people think and what they want to hear. So please let me know. Thank you again for listening. And hopefully when you catch me next time, it'll be a much happier tone. So go Giants.